0: There are so many ways you can support H.U.G. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsewnighttheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support.
1: I think it's fair to say that not more than 5% of children needing heart surgery every year get heart surgery. In other words, 95% of children born with a congenital heart defect in Africa are tragically and sadly born with a death sentence.
0: Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of your program. I'm also a heart mom. At the time of this recording, my heart warrior is 26 years old. He's a pharmacy tech at our local hospital, and he is my inspiration. It's because of Alexander that I founded Hearts Unite the Globe, the nonprofit organization that supports this podcast. I am very excited for today's show to feature a special advocate. Today's show is entitled "Getting to Know Healing Little Hearts" with Sanjeev Nishani, Doctor Sanjeev Nishani is a consultant pediatrician and the current director of the Children's Intensive Care Unit for University Hospitals of Leicester in the United Kingdom. For over 30 years, Dr. Nishani has specialized in looking after critically ill babies, children, and teenagers following open-heart surgery. In 2009, he founded the charity Healing Little Hearts. Their goal is to ensure that every child has access to the heart surgery they need and deserve. They send volunteer teams to treat the poorest of children who come from families that do not have the resources to pay for their health care. The charity also builds the capacity of surgeons in these countries to help ensure ongoing care. Since 2009, Healing Little Hearts has undertaken 151 international missions to 12 countries and operated on over 2,000 children. Dr. Nishani is joining us today to talk about the huge unmet need of congenital heart disease and capacity building in the developing world. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Dr. Nishani.
1: Thank you very much, Anna. Good to talk to you.
0: Can we start by having you tell us why you became involved in working with the congenital heart defect community?
1: I'm British Indian, and I spent the first couple of decades in my life in India where I became a doctor and also did my early training. And what I observed tragically was that many, many children who presented with congenital heart disease died because the doctors had absolutely no idea and no training as to how to treat them.
2: Mm-hmm. They
1: were not able to operate on them. And even the few cases that they did operate on, they had no idea as to how to look after them or after surgery.
0: Are you talking about even something as simple as a small hole in the heart?
1: Yes. So maybe in an older child with the ASD, they would manage to operate on the child. And because the post-operative care was not complicated, things would be okay. However, anything slightly more complex like a phallus or indeed a child with a VSD who is much smaller, a newborn baby or three or six months old, A, they couldn't operate upon them, and B, even if they did, after surgery, the doctors in the ICU had absolutely no idea what to do in India.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh,
1: That made me decide and resolve that I wanted to get training in this specialty, and I left India to come to the UK to get training in exactly that, the care of critically ill children after cardiac surgery.
0: So you became a pediatric cardiologist?
1: I became a pediatric intensivist.
0: And you specialize in working with children after they have had open heart surgery.
1: That's correct, yes.
0: When did you start healing little hearts?
1: I started healing little hearts in 2009. I had been a consultant, or as the Americans would say, an attending for about 10 or 12 years. And I was thinking about my legacy and giving something back. And it was very easy for me to decide and to determine what to do. And that is to found Healing Little Hearts so we could send volunteer teams of doctors and nurses initially to India to train local doctors and nurses in the art and the science of treating children with congenital heart disease
0: that's so admirable what's interesting is later on in the season we're going to have another guest whose sole mission is to provide care to children in India and he's working with 26 different hospitals to try to provide care to children in India how is your organization working with the different hospitals the gentleman who's coming on my program later actually taught to me about how there are some regions of India that don't even have of hospitals that know how to treat these children at all.
1: That's absolutely right. Since I started in 2009, the landscape has changed considerably in India. So what that means is that the larger cities, Bombay, Delhi, Chennai, Bangalore, etc., have some or a decent amount of provision for pediatric cardiac surgery. However, if you live in a smaller city or indeed in a town, then there's virtually no access to treatment, to operative treatment for a congenital heart defect. And that is my big focus at the moment. I started off in Bombay, but now Bombay has five or six very good centers, some of which are world-class. So I don't go to Bombay anymore. I branched out to the smaller cities where... There are hospitals who want to learn how to do this and who want to build capacity. That's a big focus of mine as well.
0: Wow, that sounds like quite a task because from what I've learned from some of the other people from India who have been on my program, there is socialized medicine in India, but that doesn't mean that all of the children in India are getting the care that they need.
1: Absolutely right. I think about a quarter of the 80,000 children born every year needing congenital heart surgery are getting operated upon and that number is going up steadily having said that if you compare the statistics in India to those of Africa India is actually much better off relatively because in Africa I think it's fair to say that not more than five percent of children needing heart surgery every year get heart surgery in other words 95% of children born with a congenital heart defect in Africa are tragically and sadly born with a death sentence.
0: Yes, yes. I've actually spoken to some other people in Africa, and that is exactly what they have said as well. There are no hospitals there that are really able to care for children, especially children with critical congenital heart defects.
1: Indeed. I think in Africa, the only country which is relatively well provided for is south africa but large swathes of the continent there's nothing tragically sadly nothing
0: so is healing little hearts now dedicating itself to going to africa to start training doctors in africa how to care for these children
1: indeed we have been to about six african countries and i'm always looking to partner with hospitals and doctors and nurses in africa Having started off in India, where I'm originally from, and having established the model, I decided that Africa is actually the continent with the greatest need, And that's where I would like to focus my efforts.
0: Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement.
2: You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna.
0: Dr. Nachani, before the break, you were telling us about Healing Little Hearts and how you have started to really focus on helping people in Africa. Now I want to get into a little bit more detail about the organization. On the website, https healinglittlehearts.org, it states that your organization is working in 12 countries in three continents. You already started to tell us a little bit about how you started in India, but can you tell us a little bit more about the history over the last 11 years? We know you started in India and Africa, but you say three continents. So I'm curious where else you have gone.
1: I started healing little hearts in Bombay out of loyalty, I suppose. And in the first two or three years, I went to one particular partner hospital three or four times each year. We would go for a week at a time and operate on 12 to 15 children on average. And after three years, I took stock. And... Having had a fair amount of success under my belt, I thought it was time to branch out and then started exploring going to different hospitals in India itself, in different cities. That was the next iteration of Eight Healing Little Hearts, And then people started taking notice of our work and we started getting requests for cooperation and collaboration from people all over the world. And then we started flying to different countries, beginning with Malaysia. And then we went to Pakistan, Bangladesh. We went to Africa, where we've been to Kenya, Tanzania, Nigeria, Cameroon. We've been to Mauritius. We've been to Bangladesh and Palestine. And we've also been to two relatively poor countries in Europe. Romania, and Latvia. And that's where the three continents come from.
0: Wow. Dr. William Novick has been on my program, and he's actually part of my medical advisory board now. And he does something very similar. He even brings nurses, techs, all the different people that are needed to perform the surgeries, and then like you, they actually train people at the hospitals there. Is that what you do too? You assemble an entire team and bring them with you? And do you also bring materials?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So William Novak is very, very prolific. He's a leader in this field. Although I don't know him personally, I have a huge amount of respect for the work that he does similar to him we take an entire cardiac team starting with surgeon in certain instances an assistant a perfusionist an anesthetist a cardiologist and intensive care team of about 6 people so in total we have a team of around 10 sometimes 12 we don't take any big materials but we can take certain consumables and certain things like patches BT shunts, Mm -hmm. where we do not take circuits or bypass machines or things like that.
0: So you have to go to a country that already has a certain level of technology.
1: Absolutely. Because compared to William Novak's foundation, we are a relatively smaller charity. We don't have access to the same support and the same funds. Our main focus is to empower and to train. And we take consumables and items that can basically... Fits in suitcases.
0: But it still sounds like what you're providing, this is life-saving for the people of those countries. The children would perish if they didn't have somebody like you there with your team to help them.
1: Yeah, indeed. That is our aim. And our other big aim is to partner with hospitals that have the basic infrastructure and the ambition so that we go there three or four times each year for a period of about five years. So by the end of that tenure with them, they are self-sufficient in the simpler cardiac surgeries like ASDs, VSDs, phthalos, completely AVSDs. And then we go there periodically to work with them on the more complex operation. So we build them up slowly, starting off with the simplest operations and then work with them through the more complex surgeries.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what Dr. Novick is doing as well. It seems like you all have a similar model, and it seems to be working because I feel that we're definitely seeing an improvement in the number of children who are surviving, even to adulthood, which is really pretty amazing. Dr. Novick had also said something about providing communication via Zoom or other. Long distance technologies, are you able to do that too? So if they have questions, they can call you or call a sister or a brother hospital?
1: We support our partner hospitals and the local teams with the use of technology, WhatsApp, Zoom, etc. They can send us pictures and videos of the patient, echoes of patient, and we advise them as to what to do. We do our best to extubate as many children as possible whilst we are there. But inevitably, there will be two or three children left on ventilators because they're not ready to come off yet. So we support them from a distance using the technology available.
0: That's just amazing to me that you have the ability to do that, to see the echoes, to have access to the kind of technology that you need, that even possibly in a different country, you can communicate with them and help them. I mean, that's just fascinating.
1: Thanks to the huge progression in technology, we are fortunately able to support our partner hospitals and the local team. So they know once we have left, we haven't abandoned them. And right. then we are there for these patients.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's a fabulous. Do you have one center in your area that is more advanced than the others, and does that one become like a model hospital for the other hospitals in the other cities nearby?
1: That is certainly our aim. However, we haven't quite reached that stage yet. What we have done is that we have signed off two hospitals in India as pretty much self-sufficient one in a city called Pune and one in a city called Vijayawada. So we've trained the local team from scratch and they are now operating on five or 600 children per year themselves. Wow. So that's very satisfying.
0: I'm sure it is. That's amazing. Dr. Nichani, before the break you were telling us about how you're training the people in the hospitals and how now you even have two hospitals that are completely self sufficient. That's just fabulous. Most of my listeners are from the United States and I don't really think they're aware of how bad this situation can be for children around the world. Can you enlighten my listeners about some of the circumstances that you've encountered?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think The best way to illustrate the scale of a problem is with the help of statistics. And if you look at the world's map, every year there are 1.4 million children born with congenital heart disease. Out of that, 1 million children are born in the poorest countries of the world. And 90% of these children born in the poorest countries of the world will never ever get access to heart treatment or heart surgery because 90% of the specialists who are able to deal with this live in the developed world. That therefore means that there is a gross mismatch between needs and the ability to treat the needs, And tragically, that leads to a million deaths Every year, a million childhood deaths every year from untreated congenital and acquired heart disease, such as rheumatic heart disease. This is, in my opinion, a global public health scandal affecting children, which very, very few people know about.
0: Yeah, in fact, Bistra Zavala has been on my program and she works with an organization called Global Arch. So there are some people who realize how dire the situation is. I don't think we can repeat it often enough.
1: Everybody knows about deaths from malaria and across the world, 400,000 people die from malaria according to the World Health Organization. That therefore means that Two and a half times the number of children die from untreated heart disease across the world each and every year. That's a massive number of children dying in the 21st century and is hugely tragic.
0: Absolutely, especially since we do have the technology needed to save maybe not all of those children, but definitely a much bigger percentage. And I am so impressed that your organization is doing its part, not only to go into countries and save those children's lives, but to provide the training for the doctors to see to those babies and young children afterwards, so they can live a full and productive life.
1: Training is key in this endeavor. Training and empowerment are key to build capacity so that in the fullness of time, these hospitals that we work with are able to provide pediatric cardiac surgeries themselves. It's not tenable for countries in Africa to send children to other countries for surgery. That is putting plaster on a very, very, very large problem and a very large wound. So therefore, the best way of dealing with the problem is training and empowerment locally, in each of the countries where there's such a deficiency of congenital cardiac care.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. I think this is something that, you're right, you can't just put a Band-Aid on it, but for decades... That's exactly what has been happening is only the very richest people in those countries have been able to seek help for their children by flying them to another country. And that doesn't help the majority of the people who live in that country. It's only by training the doctors right there in those countries, but not just the doctors. Like you were saying, the perfusionists, the anesthesiologists, and very importantly, the nurses who take care of the children and Help them to recovery. That's a lot of different kinds of people who need to be trained.
1: Absolutely. It's everybody in the team, every facet of the care of a child with congenital heart disease must be factored in when you undertake training and empowerment. Literally, from pre op assessment to the surgery to the post op care. The nurses, as you say, Anna, are absolutely key to the success or failure of this endeavor.
0: Absolutely. And are you also having the nurses train the parents on how to take care of the children once they're back home? Or do you have somebody there who's a parent educator?
1: That's a very good idea, which we haven't focused on much so far. We leave that to the local teams, but I think it's something we should start thinking about. So thank you for that.
0: My son is 26, and that is something that I have seen happening here in the United States. 26 years ago, there really wasn't much in the way of parent education, and a lot of parents would even go home not knowing the name of their child's heart defect or not understanding the surgeries that they had, but I'd like to say that That has changed dramatically, and now parents are much better educated. But I think it starts with saving the lives of the children, and I think there's a natural progression. But I'm happy to think that's something that your organization might start to work on. How can people help you with your organization? I have a feeling this information is going to inspire people to want to help you.
1: I think raising the awareness of what we do, what William Novak does, And this massive problem of untreated heart disease across the developing world should be brought into the public conscience. So anything that your listeners can do to help that would be massively important in all of us achieving our goals. Your podcast, Raising the Awareness, is massively important because when people hear these statistics, they are completely and utterly shocked they hear that there are a million children dying from untreated heart disease in the 21st century. At the same time, when we are thinking of sending a manned mission to Mars, children are not getting basic health care.
0: I know. I know. It's just amazing to me that we can have science at such different levels at the same time in history. We can have this science where children are just sent home to die maybe not even diagnosed with having a heart defect until after the fact, maybe not at all. The children just pass away. All the way to, like you said, considering a manned mission to Mars. It just is mind-blowing. So yes, okay, I think you're absolutely right. Let's put a huge spotlight on it. But what else can we do as far as helping your organization?
1: Well, organizations like mine depend on public donations to keep going. And our unique selling point is that 96 pence out of every pound, or let's translate into dollars, 96 cents out of every dollar is spent on providing this life-saving heart treatment. Nobody gets any remuneration. Everybody works pro bono. We all take our annual leave, go during our holidays to provide this life-saving treatment. So donations are what will help us to keep going in the long term, because this problem will be solved, but it's going to take decades. And that's will be need support for.
0: Yes, I think that's wonderful. Can you tell our listeners, and this will be in the show notes, my friends. So if you're on your exercise bike right now, you don't have to stop what you're doing. Keep exercising. Just go to the show notes, and that's where the description of the show is. But I'm going to give Dr. Nishani a chance to say the URL. Where the donations can be made, and can they use PayPal or is it credit cards?
1: Yeah, they can use www.healinglittlehearts.org or PayPal or Facebook. There are numerous platforms. We we will very gratefully accept any help that is given.
0: And didn't you just recently get a commendation from the Queen for the work that you have been doing?
1: Uh, Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. One of the highlights of my life. I was honored by the Queen for my work for medicine and charity with what's called an OBE, the Order of the British Empire, which is an amazing honor that I've been given.
0: Well, that is how I found out about you, and I'm so glad I did. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. This has just been amazing.
1: Thank you very much. It's my pleasure, and thank you for inviting me, and it's a a pleasure talking to you.
0: Well, this has been wonderful. I hope to have you come back on the program sometime in the future where you can tell us how things are progressing with your nonprofit organization. I think this is something where we need to be united in the globe Friends, check out Global Arch. That's another way that you can get involved in looking at congenital heart disease in a global perspective, how all of us can hold hands together as we try and help children all over the world so that we don't have these needless deaths. Thanks again, Dr. Nishani. Friends, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron of our program. You can learn more at www.patreon.com slash heart2heart. We appreciate each and every contributor. Even a small donation can make a big difference. Have a great week. And remember, my friends, you are not alone.
2: Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.